Well, good morning. Seven Mile Road. Just before we plunge in this morning, I want to catch you up on something that happened this week. Our elders met and we're continuing to process the lay of the land in our city and our desire to be meeting together again in person. I wanted to let you know that we have circled a date on the calendar that we are planning and preparing for to be back together in corporate worship in person. That date is August the 2nd. I would encourage you to circle and star that date with us uh, as we continue to kind of monitor what's going on in the city of Houston. We said, okay, now is not the time, but it's coming, and we want to prepare for it. We want to be wise and ready for that when the time comes. Uh, between now and then, our encouragement to you is this. Uh, we know that as house churches and huddles are resting, as new leaders are being trained, we long for connectivity to continue to be available. We would encourage you to have small watch parties. Reach out to someone from your house church that you haven't seen in a while, and in a responsible manner, get together with a handful of people on a Sunday morning and continue to worship and worship in a, a small watch parties across the city as we prepare our hearts to be back together on August 2nd. I can't wait to see your faces even as I get to preach to you rather than standing on this red X and looking at this camera. I look forward to that day. Now also to all the fathers in the room, uh, happy Father's Day. This morning we are wrapping up uh, the series that we've called Warmth in the Home. It started on Mother's Day and it's finishing on Father's Day and, and we started preaching to our moms and this morning we're going to, I'm going to have the great opportunity to preach to all of the dads that are a part of our community, starting with my own heart first. Um, you know, in, in my house, there's, there's a battle for the thermostat, or at least there has been over the years between my wife and I. Ashley and I have differing opinions about the temperature in our home. If it were up to me, I would sleep in an icebox every night. Uh, she has a slightly differing opinion on that, and so we have worked over the years and finally come up with a plan that works well for our family and for our marriage. But this, this morning, as we think about the call to being a father, what I want us to hear is this. Whoever controls the physical thermostat in the house, God has, has designed our homes in such a way that fathers set the thermostat emotionally and spiritually speaking. It is a, an opportunity and a responsibility for husbands and for fathers as spiritual heads to set the spiritual and emotional temperature in the home. And so this is something that has been entrusted to us as fathers. Fathers, you do set the temperature. And so the invitation today is going to set it on purpose, to set the thermostat of your home on purpose. Let me just make a few caveats, comments about that at the outset. One, moms, this does not mean you don't have a hugely important role. And I would encourage you, if you didn't get a chance to hear the Mother's Day message, to go back and listen. The recognition that you absolutely contribute to what is going on in the home, the culture and the temperature of that home. But what we're going to see in the scriptures today is that uniquely God has entrusted fathers with, with setting that temperature. Um, secondly, to those of you who are single mothers, or to those of you that were raised in a home where dad was absent or abusive, as we examine the ideal scripturally, what I want you to hear at the outset is this, that God in his grace is always working in situations that are broken and less than ideal. 
that he is father to the fatherless. And he sets in and sets the temperature in ways that are divine and miraculous when there are broken situations where dad is not living into the call on his life. And so I don't want you to receive this word as hopelessness because, well, I didn't grow up with that, or that's not present. What I want you to hear is that God is willing and able to move even in the midst of the weakness and the brokenness, while we together examine and long for and pray towards the ideal that's set out for us biblically. And then the last note before we plunge in, there may be a lot of you that are tempted to say, well, not a dad, this doesn't apply to me. I just want to say to our single women, If you long to someday be married and to bear children, I invite you to listen with ears, prayerful listening ears, thinking about and asking God to prepare this sort of man for you and to let this influence the way that you would consider the men that might pursue you, the ones that you would say yes to and spend time with. I hope this will influence the way you think about that. To our married women, please don't let this become a weapon that you wield against your husband saying, well, the preacher said you're supposed to do this or that. Let this be something that would influence the way that you would pray for your husband, that you would support him and encourage him towards being the sort of father he's been called to be. Single men, let this be a high calling on your souls and lives. If you desire someday to be a husband and a dad, start today preparing to be the sort of man that could fill this role. Dads of grown children, you may be uh, tempted to despair thinking, well, I blew it in this way or that way. Might it be that as you listen today, maybe some repentance would be generated. The gospel turns the hearts of fathers back to the children. Perhaps you would call one of your children after hearing this today and say, you know what? I know I didn't fulfill the ideal in this way and I need your forgiveness and I want to keep working at it with you. And then lastly, to the young dads who are listening This word applies to everyone, but today you are in the center of the bullseye as I preach this word to you. I pray that you'd receive this with listening ears, ready to set the thermostat in your home. Well, fathers set the thermostat. You set the temperature. Let's examine the text for the day. Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Please turn there with me, direct your attention to the screen, and permit me to remind you just before I read this verse over you. That Isaiah says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. We would be really wise to pay attention today. Ephesians 6 and verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In this single verse, we see that God is coming and beginning to speak to fathers about the role that they have to set the temperature in their home, how they can do it, what will happen if they don't do it, and why ultimately it's so important. So I want to explore that together with you. Fathers, set the temperature in your home. It is your role. Did you hear it at the start of verse 4? He is speaking to fathers specifically. And it's not because Paul thinks the role of mothers is unimportant. In fact, in the two verses prior, he says, Children, honor your fathers and your mothers. Honor them as they are leading in the home. But then he turns and he directs his attention specifically to the fathers. And he's going to say, it is, it is within your capacity to set the stage for your children, to, to not be provoked to anger, but to be raised up in the Lord. That fathers have this unique opportunity to set the temperature. Dad's name is called. In some ways, it's reminiscent for me of the garden. 
Adam and Eve conspired together to rebel against God. They both ate the fruit. They both were plunged into shame and guilt. But when God showed up in the garden, what did he say? Whose name did he call? Adam, where are you? He was calling to spiritual headship in the home, calling him by name. And here he's doing something similar, saying, fathers, listen. This setting the stage in your home for what it means to be raised up in the Lord, it's yours to do. This has been one of the consistent sins that I have to confess on Monday mornings to Michael and Peter when we get together as pastors. We start our week trying to live in the light and confess sin. And one of the things I have to deal with is the passivity that is always clipping at, the he- at my heels as a father. There are these moments where I'll be laying on the couch and I'll, I'll hear something start to spike between my children. There's, there's all of a sudden an argument or a fight breaking out. And this is literally what will run through my m- mind. Someone ought to do something about that. It's as if I'm looking around thinking this is someone else's role. It is the sin that is always nipping at my heels. You see, in the garden, when, when Eve was beginning to listen to the voice of the serpent, it's Adam's silence that is deafening and destructive. Dads, it is your role. It is, it is my role in my home to begin to set the stage for spiritual warmth and emotional warmth. And when we are looking around saying, someone ought to really do something, <laughs> we are traveling, hurtling down a path that's going to, to invite us to miss our opportunity and our responsibility. It's so tempting to want to defer to your, to your wife to set the temperature, to deal with instruction and discipline and nurture, to, to set the stage for what ought to be happening in the home. But men, this is first your role, highest your role. It is a priority for you. I've been trying to train my boys about what it means to grow into manhood. And the first lesson of manhood that, that I and some others with me are initiating with their sons at the age of eight, the first lesson is this. You take responsibility for yourself and for others. It's the first lesson of manhood. And if we haven't begun to step into that as men, we, it doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter how long we've been shaving, living on our own, or paying our own bills. We don't know what it is to be a man until we're ready to start saying, I'm taking responsibility for myself and for those around me. And so, single ladies, would you find a man who doesn't make excuses, who does hard things, who takes responsibility for himself and for others, this is the sort of man equipped and ready to set the temperature in a home, to, to cultivate warmth in the ways that God is calling him to, a man who will take responsibility. The first thing we have to hear is this, fathers, set the temperature in your home. It's your role. It's your responsibility before God. Here's God calling you by name. But secondly, And really, the thrust of what this text is going to lay before us is this. Fathers, set the the thermostat. Here's how. How do we actually go about it? And in order to do this, we're going to take the second half of the verse first because it's going to spell out for us how a father can set the emotional and spiritual temperature in his home. Look back with me at the second half of the verse. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Baked into this statement are three injunctions to fathers, three commands to dads. This is the how. How do you set the temperature in your home? You do these three things. The first, 
you nourish. You nourish or nurture. In, in the Greek, this phrase, in, in chapter 6, verse 4, the phrase bring them up is a single word. And it means to nourish or to nurture. It's a word that's used in all throughout Greek literature to mean oftentimes feeding. It has a physical component. It can even, and it is often used of moms feeding their little babies. So it can be used of a mama nursing. It's actually a very tender word, to nurture, to care. But here he's directing it to fathers, and he's saying, fathers, nurture, care for your little one. Uh, It has been a great privilege in this season watching a lot of men at Seven Mile Road become dads for the first time. Zach Calloway is back there behind the cameras. He's one of them. That's been fun to get to hear him processing that journey. Uh, I've seen it in Steve Spencer and Casey Ruff and Tyler Ballou and others. What a joy to get to see it. One man in particular I've been walking with for a long time, John Offord, he's very dear to my heart. I actually got to stand with him as the best man in his wedding I've been friends with him since he was a freshman in high school, and he just became a dad. Uh, My family and I got to go see him the other day, and he came out, and he was standing out front with a little Harper Hope. She's tiny, you know, and I was watching him bounce her and hold her close, and when she'd cry, kind of tending to her. I've heard him share some stories about in the mornings letting his wife Lauren sleep in as he'll wake up and bottle feed and tend to Harper Hope. That image for me as I watch John hold her close, tapping into a tenderness as a man that, that is kind of unearthed in a new and a fresh way. What Paul is saying is this, your parenting of your children until you go home to be with the Lord, not just when they're little, it should be marked by that kind of tenderness. Nurture, nourish them. This is the first call if we're going to set the temperature in our homes. And Paul is counteracting a strong cultural space as he names this. He is speaking into a cultural soup that's Jewish and Greek and Roman as he writes to Ephesus. And each one of those three cultural backgrounds in that moment would have looked at this and gone, Really? Fathers nourish and nurture? They believed dads were strong, ruled with an iron fist. They were even able to exercise, um, they were able to, to have their children stoned if they disobeyed. They were actually able to control their children's decisions into adulthood when they were married and had their own kids. So whether you're talking Greek or Roman or Jewish culture, for Paul under the inspiration of the Spirit to say fathers tenderly, nourish and nurture your children. He's not speaking a cultural word. He's speaking a divine word, one that may challenge some of our norms, depending on the sort of family you grew up in. It may be that this sounds weak or overly tender, but listen, a real man will nourish and nurture his sons and daughters. It's the first thing that has to be a part of setting the temperature in our homes. Dads, be tender, be present, hold close, Be patient, be understanding, listen, consider, play. Be there with your children. It's the first note. But it's not just that. It's not just be a dad that's able to meet them where they are, to play, to hear them, to to delight in them and to enjoy them as your children. But secondly, dads set the temperature by instructing. By instructing. 
He says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This word instruction is actually a compound word. It's the word mind and to place. And the idea is of placing things in the mind, of influencing and shaping the mind, that it is dad's responsibility to be instructing. But when Paul is saying this as a as a man that was trained as a Pharisee who's ingrained in the Old Testament law, what would have no doubt been in his mind comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. When he's thinking about instructing children, this would be what is directly in his backdrop as an author. Chapter 6 of Deuteronomy in verses 7 through 9 reads this way. You can see it on your screen there. You shall teach them diligently to your children. That's the words of the commands of God. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and of your gates. Do you hear the sort of instruction that God intends? This is a word spoken to all the people of God in the Old Covenant. This was not just for pastors or for leaders or for priests. This is not just the prophets in the mix. He's going, hey, if you've got kids, this is the expectation that you will diligently teach them. When? All the time. He said, if you're laying down, that's an opportunity to teach. If you're getting up, time to teach. Are you sitting down? Great. You walking on the way? Great. It is time to be instructing your children. You see, he is not just saying, dad's have family devotionals, though that is a phenomenal idea, and I hope that you're leaning into that. But this is not something that's on the calendar. This doesn't have a time and a place. This is life. If we are going to be the sort of men that set the spiritual and emotional temperature in our home, we take seriously the instruction of our children. That when it comes time to do different activities, for instance, if your kids begin to play sports, They join teams. Listen, why are they doing that? It is not just to be a great athlete or to win. That's not the aim. In fact, it may be the very best thing on that moment, that team, that situation, where your kid doesn't play, where they get wrongly sat on the bench while someone else gets to play. It may may be because the deal is all of life is opportunities to instruct about what's most important. We play sports to have a backdrop to knowing the character and the glory of God more fully. When you tuck them into bed, that's not just about finally being done and getting on with your night, finally being able to rest and kick your feet up. It's an opportunity to instruct when they have conflict with a friend. That's not something where we start wringing our hands and going, oh no, how do we fix this or take it away from them? It's an opportunity to instruct when you lie down, when you rise up, when you sit down, when you walk by the way, the invitation, fathers, is to, is to commend the glories of the gospel constantly in your home. Which, incidentally, I'll just say this, in two chapters previous in Deuteronomy, chapter 4 and verse 9, it says, diligently keep your own soul as you remind your children. You will not do this if you are not diligently keeping your own soul. When I was in college, there was an older man that heard there was... that. I lived with six guys, Russell Willingham and some others. We were all living in this home together. He heard that there was a group of men that were all desiring to follow the Lord, living in college in this rundown old house together. And he took interest in us. 
he'd come every so often and teach a Bible study, share with us out of his life, an older guy that had walked with the Lord for a long time. And I remember he told me this story that he had a room where he would pray and meet with God daily. And when he prayed, he would stretch out on the floor as low as he could go to talk to God. And he said, occasionally, one of my kids will find me in there like that. And he said, just recently, my son, who's a teenager, came in and he found me. And he said, you know what he did? He stretched himself out on top of me. I'll never forget the image. I was a 20-year-old kid living in this house with my friends, and I remember thinking, that's the picture of parenting. The diligent keeping of your own soul will cause a child to say, I want to stretch out in that posture. I want to be that sort of man. If you're going to set the spiritual temperature in your home, you start by nourishing, and then you instruct. You instruct at all moments while keeping your own soul. What a high and glorious calling. But not just that. Did you hear it in chapter 6 and verse 4 of Ephesians? Uh, He said, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's the third thing. We nourish, we instruct, we discipline. This is the third call. This is how we set the temperature in the home, how we cultivate warmth. Let me just read a couple of Proverbs to you very quickly. The Proverbs are our wisdom literature, and they have a lot to say about discipline. I just want you to hear three Proverbs briefly that speak to discipline. Chapter 13 and verse 24 says this, Whoever spares the rod hates his son. Interesting. The second half says this, He who loves him is diligent to discipline him. There's that word diligent again, but this time it's not just the diligent keeping of my soul. It's not just the diligent teaching of my children. Now it's the diligent disciplining of my children. That is a display of love, the proverb says. In chapter 29, in verse 15, it says this, the rod and the reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself will bring shame to his mother. Discipline is a display of our love, and then in this one, it is, it is actually a way to confer wisdom onto our children. Lastly, in verse 17 of that same chapter, it says, Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Discipline is a display of our love. It is, a, it is the way that we confer wisdom, and it's the way that we secure delight for our own hearts. It's how children learn to live. We must be consistent with our discipline. And I'll just be the first to admit, discipline never comes at convenient times. It's always an interruption. It's always exhausting. You think, this is not what I want to deal with right now. I'm tempted to lay on the couch and think someone ought to do something about this. That's the moment. Lean in. Discipline in that moment is a display of love. It gives wisdom. It secures delight. I was talking with a friend just recently who was sharing this, this devastating sadness uh, that at 15 he started to do drugs. And he said, and, and in that season, my parents did nothing, but especially my dad, he, he did nothing. It was like he didn't even see it. And, and the great sadness in that moment was this realization that as the head, as spiritual headship, we are supposed to stand guard. 
We're supposed to stand guard, ready to do war on behalf of our family, to say, you've come this far, but you will come no further. You are not going to rob my children of their freedom, their joy, their fullness, that dads are called to stand guard, to protect and to preserve, to confer wisdom to their children and help protect them from all the things that would lead them astray. We must be the sort of men that correct and instruct. You see, here we are. How do we set the temperature? We nourish, we discipline, we instruct. This is how we're doing it. What happens if we don't? Fathers, you're called to set the temperature in your home. What happens if you don't? Did you hear the first half of the verse? He front-loaded the warning by saying this in Ephesians 6 and verse 4, Do not provoke your children to anger. You see, he's talking about the temperature in the home. He's saying, don't let your house grow cold and be marked by irritability and anger. It's one word in the Greek that means to to come alongside and to cause irritation or anger. He says something really similar in Colossians 3.1, and he says, because that is discouraging to your children. When we allow the temperature to be turned cold in these ways, when we don't step into these God-given responsibilities and roles, our children are irritated, angered, discouraged. We have so many men and women walking around in the world today wondering, do I have what it takes? Quickly folding it on themselves, coming undone because ultimately they have missed the voice and the hand and the heart of a father who's walked with them in the difficult moments. Dads, if we don't do it, our children will become irritated and discouraged. Let me talk about just real briefly three ways that, that we default on this. One, if you are good at discipline, you're all about holding a firm line, you're quick to say, we don't do that in this house, that's not the way a a Morris is going to do this, right? If that's your, but you're not good at instruction or nurturing or nourishing, let me tell you what will happen. Your discipline will be confusing, it will feel arbitrary and angry. Your kids oftentimes will feel like they're trying to hit some unknown bullseye, trying to keep dad happy, but always cowering to his preference because he's strong on discipline, but he doesn't actually instruct and he doesn't nourish. Dads, if you are prone to be the disciplinarian dad, but you're defaulting on these other responsibilities, do you see how that injects coldness and confusion into the hearts of your children? Perhaps you're really good at instruction, You've got lots and lots of information and training. You're always teaching, but you won't discipline. You won't correct and draw back, and you don't nourish or nurture. This will end up feeling flimsy and empty and maybe even nagging. Uh, This is kind of like, imagine you're trying to train your kid how to play baseball, and you give them all of this information about when they hit, the placement of their hands and their elbow, how to generate bat speed, what they ought to be doing with their hips, and you give them all of this information. But when it's actually in the moment and they're confused and forgetting, you don't do anything. If you only ever instruct, the capacity for that child to flourish is greatly reduced. You see, this is actually a training word when we're disciplining. That's the dad that leans in and goes, no, 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 son, I know I told you, but let me show you. You've actually got to hold it like this. and let me, let me show you. Let's do it a few times together. That's what good discipline is like. It's giving legs to the instruction. It's helping the instruction take shape and actually be worked into their souls. So if I'm constantly saying to my children, you have to respect mom, 
And the moment where I see disrespect emerge, I cannot lay on the couch and say, someone ought to do something about that. It's in that moment where it matters most that I say, let's sit and work back through this. Now practice, what would it sound like if you were respecting mom in this moment? I have to be a man that is not passive. God, forgive me for my passivity and let us be the sort of men that lean in and say, we won't just instruct, we're gonna discipline. Lastly, if you instruct and you discipline with the best of them, but you don't nurture, it's gonna feel transactional and cold. One of my spiritual heroes, a man who's influenced my life deeply through his writing and preaching is a man named John Piper. And John has said on multiple occasions in public settings that he wished he had hugged his kids more and enjoyed them more. He was really good at the instruction and the discipline, but he struggled to enter into that space. And he said, my kids oftentimes would be surprised to hear that I enjoy them and I like them. And he said, as a result, it undermined so much of what I was trying to do as a father. You can be the most intense and most wonderful theologian who instructs and disciplines. But if you can't play with your kids, if you can't adopt the posture of that new dad holding them close, cherishing them, the voice is going to ring hollow. The discipline is going to grow cold. We have to be the sort of men that set the temperature by nourishing, instructing, disciplining altogether. Well, lastly... Fathers, you're called to set the temperature. Why is it so important? Did you hear the last, the last three words of this verse? Ephesians 6 and verse 4. We're to be bringing them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. You see, this isn't about bringing your children under your headship and under your authority. The reason this is so important that we nourish and discipline and instruct, the reason that we engage in this activity with all of our heart is because this is the means by which we are delivering the whole of our family under the authority and the headship and the beauty of King Jesus himself. This is our responsibility to situate our family under Jesus. And so men, right now, if you feel discouraged, or beat up, I want you to hear some good news. If right now you're feeling like, ah, I'm failing not just in one or two, but in all three in different ways, that's how I feel as I preach this word. I right now, while you're sitting on your couch watching this, I'm sitting on the couch next to my kids, having to realize they're hearing me preach something that I'm struggling to embody myself, and so I'm going to preach the gospel to my own future self on the couch for a second, if you'll let me. Listen. Even your weaknesses and your brokenness and your misstep can contribute to the health and the temperature in your home if you will be quick to repent, if you will be needy and broken, if you'll go to your kids and say, I need you to forgive me. I shouldn't have spoken that way. I need you to forgive me for being passive when I should have been helping and leading. I need your forgiveness. Dads, be these sort of humble, needy men that know that this is not about your authority, holding it all together and puffing your chest out, knowing what's best. It's always been about Jesus' authority. And so rehearse that good news. What he will do for you is he will instruct and discipline you. The God in heaven who loves you like his own son, like his younger brother, father, son, and spirit will come and he will begin to instruct you, fathers, and he will discipline you and he will do it all with nail-scarred hands, holding you close, going, do you see how I've loved you? 
I loved you in the moment when you were yelling in anger at your kids rather than patiently instructing them. I loved you in that moment. I loved you in the moment when you were silent and passive and you should have stepped up. I loved you in that moment. And he holds us close like the perfect father that he is. He is this God who has loved us to death and back. And as he instructs and disciplines, he nurtures. The man who is consistently held in that place, that man who soaks in the goodness of that gospel, he of all people will be able to set the temperature in his home. Let us be the sort of men that receive the tender care of our good father and then pour it out in our homes. Fathers, set the temperature in your home. Let me pray for us. God, we need you. I need you. I need your forgiveness for the ways that I am not living into your ideal for me as a dad. Would you forgive me? I pray that right now you would pour out grace and favorite kindness on all the dads that are a part of our community, that they'd be bolstered and encouraged to step out and to do this work. I pray for moms that they would know how to support and pray for and encourage their husbands to step into this role. I pray for those that are brokenhearted right now because they've never known anything close to this. They're, long, they're hurting because they had an abusive or an absent dad and they're going, oh, that sounds delightful, but I'll never know that. I pray that right now, by your presence and your power, that you would hold them close, that you would nourish, that you would be tender, to them, that they would know that there is a father to the fatherless who loves them and is with them. And I pray that you would be knitting us all together, that we would be the sort of people that are cultivating the warmth in our homes that you've called us to. We love you. We thank you. We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our hero and our king. Amen.